0: Next on abounding grace, moving past the past. Jesus said, Don't worry. It doesn't add anything. Let's give God a chance. Start praying about your life, church. And let's give God a chance to work, not just as a church. The leadership we're God's stirring up the leadership of your church. But I wonder if He's stirring you up. What's He doing in your life? I know the past is hard. I know. I have one. But it's over. I'm moving forward. This is amazing grace. This is amazing.
1: Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace. Glad you could join us as Pastor Ed Taylor returns to his new study of Daniel. Last time we were together, we observed that Daniel was a man of purpose and commitment, and we should be too. And today, we'll go on to see the rewards that flow from God to the obedient. So if you needed a little incentive, well, here you go. You'll find it in Daniel chapter 1, verses 9 through 21. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, would you open
0: them to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, as we finish up our chapter in this fascinating book, following this man, Daniel, a man of purity and a man of prophecy. And today, we are learning about the rewards of obedience, the rewards of obedience. Now, there is a difference between a temptation and a test, and it's important that we understand that distinction. There is a difference between a test that comes from God and a temptation toward evil. Many confuse the two. And because of the confusion, our faithful God often gets blamed for things that are not from him at all. Now, I ask you to open to Daniel. Stay there, put your finger there, and then go back to the book of James. Go back to the book of James chapter 1. As we learn the difference between a test from God and a temptation toward evil, they are very different and we don't want to confuse them. The first thing we need to know is a temptation is a solicitation to sin. A temptation is not sin in and of itself. It's a solicitation to sin. Remember, Jesus was tempted in all ways and yet without sin. So if the perfect son of God, the sinless son of God is tempted, then we know that temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It's a solicitation towards sin. A test, a test from God is a solicitation toward faith and trust. Temptations, these solicitations to do evil don't come from God. We just can't say it's God's fault. Now notice in verse 12 of James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. It's interesting, though, because we often confuse the two temptations and tests, partly because of the culture that we're in. Because we live in a culture that has been conditioned to blame others for their bad behavior. And certainly you've fallen into that trap. I know I have. Where in deflecting or defending, we don't take personal responsibility for our decisions. Even if our responsibility is 10% of the 100%, there's still a resistance to take responsibility for our own decisions. And so we live in a culture that doesn't want to take responsibility for their actions. I mean, if we had a culture that took responsibility for their actions, there'd be no Judge Judy. There'd be no People's Court. There'd be no um, Judge Joe, whatever his name is. The, The court systems would be thinned out because everybody would say, it's my fault. How do I make it right? It's my fault. How do I make it right? And the Lord would do so much more in a culture like that. But it seems like it's always someone else's fault. It was the way I was raised, you know. That's why I am who I am today. It was the spanking I received. (laughs) It was the one time I didn't deserve it. It was my parents yelling at me. It was the bad oatmeal I ate, whatever it might be. And it seems so much easier just to blame someone else. And we see that's a part of fallen humanity because that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. It was when Adam was confronted by God, his response was, no, not me, God. It was the woman that you gave me. And by the way, men are still using that lame excuse to to, to this day. So just stop it. Take responsibility. A believer in Jesus Christ takes responsibility for their own actions. And the remedy for our responsibility is to repent of our sins, to turn away from our bad behavior, or in a very simple way, to stop it. And you know, those that were born again tonight not only can decide to stop it now, but according to God, they now have the power, the innate spiritual power to stop that behavior. It's not just their own willpower. It's not just a few habits to develop and a few scriptures to read. It's the very power of God inside of us. It's common for men and women to blame someone else. James says that when we're tempted, we can't blame God. Temptation doesn't come from God. A lot of time is spent in ministering to other people, in biblical counseling, in discipleship, trying to convince the person we're talking to that the mess that they're in is of their own doing. I can't tell you how many different angles we try to take with you to try to convince you of your own responsibility. But you can check in your own heart, and you can find in your own heart that whenever the word but comes up, That you are on the path of not accepting responsibility. Sometimes we think accepting responsibility is approving of other people's bad behavior. We're not even dealing with the other person yet. We're just dealing with you. Yeah, but you don't, but really, but tell me, tell me what, tell me what is going to follow that but. Go ahead, tell me, tell me. And as you begin to talk, listen to your own language. This is going to be helpful for you. Listen to your own language, whether it's internal or it comes out of your mouths, when you respond, uh, XYZ, XYZ, but go ahead and dismiss everything you just said. Because what you're about to say is what you really mean. What, you, what follows that but is your defense. It's your reason. It's my excuse for being on the course that I'm on. And we've been conditioned this way. It's part of our fallen humanity. And even though things are tough, there's hope in the Lord. He can change a person. He can change a situation. Your cooperation is necessary, though. And the first thing to do, don't blame God. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault that you and I have chosen to sin or that someone's chosen to sin against us. It's not God's fault. You know, for example, and it's, a, it's kind of a silly example, but you'll get it when I share it with you. Somebody comes and says, you know, Pastor, I was really tempted the other day. just can't believe God would just tempt me like that. I was sitting in a bar drinking a Diet Coke and I ended up getting drunk. <laughs> Come on now. You got a problem with alcohol? Yeah. Then what are you doing in a bar? <laughs> well, God led me there. No, he didn't lead you there. <laughs> or me and my girlfriend, you know, we just can't, we just can't stop Having, fighting the temptation to have sex. You know, ever since we moved in together and started sleeping in the same bed, we just can't fight. Come on, man. And yet that permeates the church of Jesus Christ, that kind of behavior. And just not taking responsibility. Temptations don't come from God. The exact opposite. God gives you the strength to resist temptation. He gives you the strength, as we learn today in Daniel, to get ahead of it, to get far beyond it. Remember Daniel, this teenage boy, was kidnapped, brought into the upper courts of Babylon. He, he is the smartest. He is the best looking. And they're going to brainwash him in all the Babylonian cult, customs and culture. And yet, remember, he was purposed and he was intentional to not defile himself. And he was able to go so far. And they said, no, I'm not going to go that far. And he's not going to erase that line with compromise. And remember, come back with me in verse 8. And we're going to weave together the New Living Translation the New King James. So I'm going to read to you from the New Living. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths, your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. And Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days. So Daniel's getting ahead of the game. He's getting ahead. He hasn't even been brought into that environment yet. And so God has empowered this young boy to get ahead of the game. He says, look, I'm going to take control. I, I am in a foreign land. I am a kid separated from my family. There is no, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what they're trying. I, I get an idea of what they're trying to do. to me. You know, everything is against him. And you might feel today that everything is against you. And we learn from Daniel that even when you feel like everything is against you, everything is not against you. Because by faith in Jesus, God is not against you. And you can get ahead of the curve as the Lord speaks to you. He says, you know, I'm going to take my stand and I'm going to ask and I'm going to determine and I'm going to be purposed in my living. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take my stand and I'm going to take my chances and I'm going to cast my lot with God. You'll never go wrong casting your life and lot with God. Never. It doesn't matter how it feels. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. It doesn't matter how many people turn on you. You will not go wrong by choosing to obey God. And it says in verse 13, he gives them, he says, you know, just give us this diet of, for 10 days of vegetables and water. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men, verse 13. just see how we look, compare us. Then make your decision in light of what you see. And the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. Daniel asked for a test. He took control of the situation. Respectfully, uh, I think, you know, encouraged. And what he was asking for is that, in all the things they're going to do to him, what he was asking for is that he continued to be able to eat according to the law of God. Can you just let me eat? Uh, And today we would, what we would probably say today is that, can you just allow me to continue to eat a kosher diet? I want to honor my God by what I put into my body. And then he's responded by, you know, I might, I might lose my life. I'm not giving up my life for you, kid. And then he reasoned it with him and said, no, go ahead, just, just test us. Ten days, just test us. I mean, that, those are words of confidence. Those are words of courage and faith. Daniel is demonstrating here a dependency upon the Lord. He wasn't doing this in his own wisdom. He didn't develop this on this theory. He's responding in the presence of God. And and we ask, hypothetically, well, what if it didn't work? What would happen to Daniel? What if it didn't work? Would he compromise? And don't you ask the same questions about your own life? It's one of the reasons why it's very difficult for you to take a stand because you're always trying to figure out what it's gonna cost you if it doesn't work. What's it gonna cost? What if it doesn't work? What if this decision I make, what if it doesn't work and I lose my job, my reputation? What if they make fun of me? What if I uh, lose a friend? What what, what what is it that I'm going to lose? But see, Daniel is looking to what he's going to gain. He's gaining credibility. He's gaining faith. He's gaining resolve. I was speaking to a few people this week, and it seems like there's always a theme of the phone calls that I take. And this week's theme was kind of boiled down to making really hard decisions of faith and then being faced with ridicule. And, and some, you know, in one case, I was talking to a brother yesterday, it's a very difficult situation that he's facing because he believes he's making a decision under the Lord. And so we talked about it and we prayed through it. And then I, I brought each of, the, each of the people I spoke to about this this week, I brought them to this and I wanna share it with you. Because I just think it's so profound. Because sometimes we evaluate our steps of faith and obedience by this phrase. Well, what's the worst that can happen? And we ask that. And it's an assessment tool in our our lives. What's the worst that can happen? And so then what do we do? We start to think, well, if the worst that can happen is I lose my job. The worst that can happen is this. And the worst that can happen, then you come up with that. And then usually you weigh the balances. And then you kind of look at the worst. And and you go, okay, then I'll make my decision. But I want you to know that that's a faulty way to make your decisions. Because I'm going to give you the answer to that question every single time you ask it for the rest of your life. Because of all that you have come up with, What's the worst that can happen in this? Well, Ed, you know, this could happen, this could happen, this can happen. Okay, those are really bad, difficult things. I don't disagree. But I'm going to answer this question the rest of your life. Anytime you ask this question as a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, when you ask the question, what's the worst that can happen? Here's the answer. You ready? The worst thing that can happen is that you choose to disobey God. That's the worst that can happen. It's not what you might lose. It's not even losing your life. That Those that could kill the body but not touch the soul. We we, we live in fear. We we live in the fear of man. But see, the worst that can happen is that we're out of fellowship with God, that we live lives of disobedience and compromise, and we live this low-level life and not enjoy the presence of God in our lives, not abiding in Him. You see, Daniel, if we ask the hypothetical question, you know, would he compromise, the answer is no. And we get that from the text. Daniel in verse 8 has already purposed in his heart. He's not going to compromise. I know we can read the rest of the book, but if we only got one chapter a week, I could tell you with confidence, he's not going to compromise. Ooh, what's going to happen? It's not going to be compromise. It's not going to be him backing down. He's taking a step of faith here. He's trusting the Lord in a part of his life. And you know, it's always an exciting thing to give God a chance to work in your life always exciting. I believe God wants us to be a part of all that he's doing. God's never stops working, so it's important for us to discover what he's doing and get along with it. Going forward, you know, you're always going to find the will of God in the moment. It's not 30 years ago. It's not 60 years ago. The will of God is now. What's God doing now? And it might be different than 10 years ago, and it might be different than 20 years ago. It might be different than 30 years ago, and that's a good thing. We don't live in the past. We live in the moment. If you abide in me, Jesus says, I'll abide in you. We live in the moment. And, you know, we've learned, haven't we? We love the past. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's our story. But we live in the future. We live for what God has. We look for the soon return of Jesus Christ. We don't look backwards for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Right? Are you guys all with me so far? Daniel's so strong. He's not living in the past. He's not longing for Judah. He's not wishing he had what he had before. He's living in the moment. And in the moment, he's assessing, this is all happening just real time. He goes, okay, I, I, can, I can learn and not compromise. I, I, can, I, I can learn the customs. You change my name. Change, you, you can change my name, but you won't change my identity. change my name. But eating is day by day, moment by moment. And Daniel's making a commitment to live godly, righteously in the moment. And how much of our lives have we lost living in the past? Regret and anger, whatever emotions that come from the past. How many of us have wasted our time living in the future? Anxious and worried. What's going to happen? You know, there you are worrying about retirement. What am I going to do for retirement? And how am I going to, what's going to happen when I, and you're only in kindergarten, man. Don't worry about it. You'll get there when you get there. And there'll be somebody God puts in your life. Put a plan together. But don't, why are you worried about it? Jesus said, don't worry. It doesn't add anything. Let's give God a chance. Start praying about your life, church. And let's give God a chance to work, not just as a church. The leadership, we're, God's stirring up the leadership of your church. But I wonder if he's stirring you up. What's he doing in your life? I know the past is hard. I know, I have one. But it's over. I'm moving forward. What's God got for me in the future? And you know, he's probably got some difficulty ahead. I'll meet it when I get there. I'm not going to try to guess what it is and ruin today. (laughs) It'll come soon enough. There'll be another email. I know it. I I know there'll be another phone call. I I know there'll be another sickness. I know there'll be, I know. In this world, you'll have tribulation. I know. I know but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Daniel's a man of purpose. He's committed. We need to open ourselves to a work of God. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for others. The Lord blessed them and rewarded their obedient dependents. This was an obvious blessing of God. Their obedience and commitment was blessed by God. Now, it's good to be reminded that serving God requires that we do things His way. It does. It requires us to know God. It requires us to understand Him. To serve God acceptably involves doing the will of God the right way, at the right time, with the right motives. We don't have permission to alter the commandments of God. We don't have permission to rewrite the Bible to fit our own comfort. We don't have permission to buckle under the pressure of the culture and change the eternal decrees of God We don't. There are consequences of obedience and there are consequences of disobedience. You choose.
1: You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and a message on the rewards of obedience. Now, Pastor Ed, you just mentioned that there are consequences for both obedience and disobedience to God. Can you think of some examples of that as we close that our listeners could identify with? I can, Larry. Like, like we're, We think that
0: benefits come from obedience and consequences come from disobedience, and that is true, uh, although benefits can come from disobedience, not necessarily benefits from God, but you can lie and, and make a lot of money. You can steal and have a big bank account. Like, There's a personal benefit from the consequences of sin or from the decision of sin, but it's not from the Lord. And same with obedience. You can obey and have benefits, of course, spiritually, but you can also experience consequences. And so I like to share the importance of if you're going to face consequences, let it be for obedience. What I mean by that is the consequences of disobedience, the wages of sin is always death. The wages of obedience is not always death. It's not always the consequences. It might be painful. Let me give you a great example. This happens all the time. It could be somebody coming up confessing that they stole something. And the counsel is, look, you got to make it right. You got to do what the Bible says. You got to make it right. No, no, I can't make it right. I got away with it. No, 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 no. No, you're living with the consequences of disobedience right now. And it's going to get worse. So when you're faced with a situation and you know it's going to be painful to do the right thing, do the right thing. Of course, it's going to be painful. You're right. But you're living in a lie right now. You're living, you stole something. Like you literally defrauded someone. You think it's okay to live with, you think the benefits, you know, Oh, I'm fine. I can worship the Lord. I can sing. No, you're living a lie and you're out of fellowship with God. You you need to read Psalm 51 and come to a place of repentance. So I agree. And you'll hear it in the study, like, listen, It's better to have the consequences of obedience than disobedience. It's far worse. And you know, as well as I do, the Bible says, be sure of this, your sin will find you out.
1: So get ahead of it and obey God in it. And I know he'll bless you. That's very helpful. Thanks for mentioning that. And listening friend, we'll hear more about the rewards of obedience tomorrow. And remember, you can access these daily programs online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the Calvary Aurora app. These are difficult, challenging times we're living in, and we'd like to offer you a book that could be a real encouragement. It's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. You might think of lament as how we bring our sorrow to God, but this is often a neglected part of the Christian experience. Learn how to vocalize your pain and wrestle with sorrow as you move toward deeper worship and trust in God. Author Mark Rogoff explores the Bible through the Psalms and Lamentations, inviting you to tap into God's grace and mercy that He offers in the darkest moment of your life. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Please remember us in your prayers and giving to the Lord as you're able. People need to hear about God's abounding grace right now. And with your help, we can make that possible. You can make a secure donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. More on the rewards of obedience coming up tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor finishes Daniel chapter one. This is amazing grace.